You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow with myself, Lindsay Williams. And as it's a Thursday, it's time for the double-header dream team edition of the five o'clock shadow with David Shapiro from Sassfin Securities, who's won a few awards in his time, uh, but also with Viv Govender from Rand Swiss. And he's covered in rosettes and he's holding so many cups he can't even, <laughs> he can't, hasn't got enough hands. Uh, Viv, tell us about the tell us about your awards please and congratulations uh, thank you lindsay yeah we just had the stop broker awards and uh Ransos has done really well um, i mean we've uh won the top stop broker of the uh, of the year again uh this is i think the third time in a row and the uh fifth or fourth out of five times that we've won it uh you know uh and this is only the the sixth year we've been eligible, so it's been quite a a, a ride for Ransomus. Uh We also have my colleague Gary Boyson has won top uh, relationship manager in the country. Uh, in addition to that, we won a couple other awards. Uh, I believe we won. Uh, uh, it's the, I think, best for young uh, investors, best lump sum uh, as well, uh, most improved. And, you know, uh, we were the number one last year. We're also the most improved. So that's obviously a, a good option. Uh, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a, it's quite a nice uh, haul for us at the Stockbroker Awards. Yeah, I mean, people say, well, it's just an award and everything, but it's actually it's it's actually very very important because it's it it, it shows that you. It sounds a bit corny, but it shows that you care, and it it shows that you're doing you're doing something right. I w- I would say, um, David, what, what what would you come in here and say? Oh well, it just shows you people vote for you. They like the service. You know, they got to tick boxes, admittedly, but they won't tick a box if they don't believe it's true. You know, if you've upset them and you're not giving them the kind of service. So, I don't, you know, it, it, it's like filling out a survey. No one's going to do it if they, don't, um, if they don't want to, you know, and they don't feel that they want to help you. And the fact that, uh, that um, Gary and Viv have been consistent just shows you it's not a once-off. Mm. So good luck to them. You know, the, there's another broker who used to be on the show. Well, he came, I think, stone last. I saw them in at number 10. It's just because they won't, he won't talk to you anymore, Lindsay. You can't say his Shows name, you. right? <laughs> I, no. I, I think I know who you mean, but I, mean, I don't want to be vindictive. But anyway, oh, that, that, that doesn't I'm matter. I'm kidding, man. I, uh, Let's... I know. I just... <laughs> no, but congrats to... <laughs> yeah, congrats to him and to All I'm trying to say is you replaced, you, replaced, uh, you replaced him with the people at the top, you see. Yes. Um, gentlemen, the markets, um, my, my theme of the markets this week has been uh, markets grinding lower. And um, when I say markets, yeah. I mean uh, equities markets uh, grinding lower. And also the extraordinary move in the uh, US 10-year Treasury bond yield, which is the one I look at. I can't get involved in the two-year and the 30-year and all that sort of thing. Uh, but Viv, I'll start with you as you're the award winner and also the academic here. Uh, but... Um, uh, <laughs> It's up at four. It's it's four point six percent the U.S. yield, and in twenty twenty it was point six five percent. It's now nearly four point six five percent, which is a massive, massive move. And apart from the fact that okay, inflation is stubbornly high and interest rates are stubbornly high and may stay higher for longer, there's also apparently a basis trade going on with hedge funds who are overloaded 
with this position that is pushing the yield higher. Viv, does this worry you? Uh, it it does worry me, especially like you look, I think in the next year or so, roughly a fifth of U.S. bonds uh, come due or something. I, I remember just reading that next year, but uh, and, and this current rate basically they would have to refinance at the current rate because remember bonds are basically loans that you're taking from people, and the U.S. government has I think thirty trillion dollars worth of loans at a four or five percent interest rate. You're talking about one and a half trillion a year if you had to basically just service all that debt at this current interest rate. That's an incredibly high interest rate. Uh, the, re- the question I have to wonder is, you know, what's going to happen? Are they eventually going to have to do the Japanese thing where they just say, basically, we can't allow rates to be above a certain point because it's just not feasible for us to have this much debt at that high interest rate. You know what I mean? Uh, it is an unsustainable uh, you know, situation at the moment, especially, uh, I mean, going into next year's election, I don't know if you watched that uh, uh, Republican debate last night. Uh, you know, people are talking about this again. You know, uh, in, in weird ways. I mean, uh, but still, it's coming up again. It's always been the Republican, you know, thing about you know, debt, debt, debt. But in the next year or so, I think debt is going to be a real issue. I mean, we, when you're spending 1.5 trillion dollars servicing your debt, uh, that is going to have some political impacts. Well, it has to have. And David, uh, the U.S. Treasury market is a $25 trillion market. So if you go from 0.65% to 4.65%, if you're a consumer, if you're a country, if you're a corporate, uh, if you're a global economy, it's got to have some sort of fallout at some stage. And never mind this tra- the trade that's going on at the moment. What happens when the trade unwinds? Mm. I, you know, Lindsay, it's... Uh... It's something that's worrying me very much. And I'm not, believe me, I'm not an academic and I can't say that I really have a grip of what's happening. But uh, in a way, you start to push up rates, as we're seeing now. Well, it's not going up. um, Sorry, sorry. um, Powell is not pushing up rates. He's pushing up the short end Mm. or he's leaving the short end at at, at 4% or thereabouts, whatever it is. it's it's the other rates, the ten-year and the thirty, that are going up. Yeah. Now, that's go, when that starts to go up, you've got to ask yourself: Yes, it's okay when an economy is strong; it can sustain it. But how strong is the U.S. economy? Can it continue to uh, handle rates like that going up? Somewhere along the line, something's got to give. You know, and you know, as you start to read results, as you started to look into consumers, even though they're resilient, and even though uh, Powell believes that the you're going to get a soft landing, or he hasn't used those words, but you know that 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 there'll still be growth. My worry is that, well, how far you hold on? This wasn't supposed to happen. You know, when he started to talk about keeping rates. Uh, higher for longer or uh, so on. I don't think he thought the result would be what he's seeing now, this massive gain. And I've just been looking at the tenure now. You know, it's up at 465. I mean, yes. this is this is massive. This is 4% in less than three years. Yeah. Yeah. Or just yeah. over three years, yeah. actually. Yeah. You've got to take strain. Yeah. You've got to take strain. Someone's got to give. You know, and, and that's my concern is that I'd, somewhere down the line, uh, you're going to find cracks, and I think they could pivot fast. When it's going to happen, maybe not three months, maybe six months, but they will pivot, you know, long before 2025. So it, the markets, you, you you open up the talk, you know, you open saying mm. uh, you're concerned about markets. You know, that was your 
Uh, they're grinding lower. They're oh, yeah. grinding lower because they're worrying. You know, they're worried and they're nervous. And well, it's money going from one they... massive asset class mm. to another asset class, Viv. Mm. I mean, you can say to yourself, okay, the U.S. Uh, Treasury market is $25 uh, a trillion, and, and the money, you don't just create money to go into that. You have to shift money from somewhere, and you have to shift money from equities, and that's why equities, I think, have been under huge pressure because people yeah. are saying, let's deploy our money elsewhere, and let's get this basis trade going, which they call it. The hedge funds are doing that. I'm looking at the South African 10-year now, Viv, 1102, 11.02%. It was 950 not that long ago. This is also a little bit disturbing. Yeah, I remember, like, I mean, if you're getting 11.02% from the South African government, why would you invest in any South African company that's not giving you a substantial improvement above that? I mean, that's what the, the risk-free rate is, effectively. It's a, it's a rate at which you basically have to price everything else off of. If the U.S. Fed is giving you 4.7% a year for, for 10 years, everything else has to go up in, in accordance to that. That means that every business decision has to be more profitable for you to make, to make uh, to go, go ahead for it. Every business that you have has to be more profitable for you to, to say, yes, I'm going to do this versus that. And the thing we also haven't talked about here is also the effect on housing. The U.S. housing sector has been, even though it's, it's basically hasn't really shifted, it's almost like the walking dead. Um, because what's happened is people have, 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 have had no low interest rates locked in, you know, but then when they want to basically either move up to someone new or try and sell or whatever, the buyers can't buy because they're going to be facing these high interest rates. And if they do sell, they can't, you know, buy something else if they don't have all the cash because the interest rates are so much higher. Yeah, and, and so the housing market has just seized up and we're going to be seeing something like that, you know, really affecting, especially I think not just the housing market, but also the, uh, commercial real estate market, which I think is the the, the next like kind of you know uh, booby trap in, in the global economy. If you see what's happening with uh, you know uh, some of the banks, the stuff they're saying about uh, commercial real estate at the moment, uh, it's really worrying, and it, it, I do think it could be uh, the next little kind of you know trigger that might create a bit of a crisis out there. Let's hope not, um, but uh, I do agree with you. And uh, anyway, let's look at the JSC now, David. This is your area, and I've written down a few companies here. RCL. Okay, RCL has had to cull 410,000 chickens. It's not an awful lot. I mean, it's, it, it sounds like an awful lot, but in the big picture, it's not an awful lot. But we had the astral uh, numbers and announcements uh, a while ago. The chicken industry, which is a, a very, very important protein for a big percentage of the South African population, has been under pressure for so long. Then you've got yeah. Netcare, uh, Chef Price Flat, uh, Trellidor, the only company, only country in the world where people put up um, fences and list on the JSE, uh, down 13%. Afrimat, up two and a quarter percent. Capitec, David, let's start with this one, up 6% um, a, a few minutes ago, and then there was Barlow World. But Capitec suddenly bouncing back mm. off a low base, admittedly. I, 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 I think it is off a low base. Um, what disturb? I don't want to say disturb me, mm. but... Um, you know, I like to go through the, the accounts. And when you go through the accounts yes. and you try and analyze line by line, you know that 27% of their income from operations is written off. Okay, that's a lot. What does that In mean? In other words, that's the impairment. That's a write-off. That's not going to be recovered. So you lend people money. You know, it, it, it fundamentally means that I, I hope I'm getting ma- – Viv's uh, the maths man, but I mean, if you lend a, if you lend a rand, you're only going to get 72 cents back. 
you know, that's <laughs> basically uh, from 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 your loan book, whatever it is. Admittedly, you you charge. Uh, high rates and that, so you're able to make the kind of profit. But it means that you've got to write off 70, uh, 27 cents of every rand that you lend out. Mm. That's the impairment. I don't know. It, it, it's a big, big number. But the point, I look at it from a different way. I'm saying their income from operations was like 17 odd billion, 72.2 billion. Then they write off 4.7 billion, which is a big number. Last year, they wrote off only 20% of their income. So it gives you an idea of what kind of uh, you know losses they make. I know they say impairments are up 60%, but it's a big, big number. And it does show you just how, um, how fragile that market can be. Yes, they're making numbers, and I think this is why at the end their profits were only up 9%. But the point I'm getting at um, is, is that people are under pressure. You know, this is this – is, uh, even at that level, they're under extreme pressure. So uh, just it comes back to just being very concerned about the underlying businesses here. You know, the underlying consumer, I think, is in a lot worse shape than we actually think. Yes, well, of course. But I will say one thing about the South African consumer, and that is that he and she are very, very resilient and very, very resourceful. I mean, I've always had this this story, and I spoke to a few, a few people about this. And you get that that um, those supplements in the uh, in in the weekend newspaper at the end of the month. Which once people have got their wages and also their benefits, and they have clubs, they have consumer clubs, and they sit down and they say, right, Spa's going to do this, Woolies is doing that, Clicks is doing another thing, and they sit down and say, right, you two are going off there, and you two are going off there. And they come back and they pool their resources, and it's 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 it, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a collaboration. South Africans are very very resource very resourceful because they have to be. And on that note, Viv, I don't know if you ever go to Spa wherever you live, but Spa today <laughs> sold their yeah. loss making Polish business or announced they were going to share price up around ten eleven percent. I mean, yeah, it's sad, but apparently, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll probably be having IT issues as well. Apparently, the guys in KZN can't order because the SAP system is, you know, been under pressure. That's one of the reasons we saw prices fall, or saw the share price fall, you know, a little while back. So yeah, uh, this is a company that has not been executing. Let me say that in the in the most fair way, uh, very well over the last little while. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, we have had a bit of recovery, but I mean, if you look back to May, there was been a sharp pullback, and a lot lot of it driven by. Uh, what seems to be almost incompetence in the IT division. And you know how SPA works. It's not a normal uh, retailer. It's all about that little network that they supply into. And if those guys can't order, you know, I mean, it's obviously going to be a huge impact on their business. So, yeah, that is uh, that is something interesting. I think that uh, you, know, you must take into account with SPA is the fact that the execution through more recently has been really, really poor. Yeah, David, you're not a retail fan, I don't think. A South African retail I, I, well, fan. As far as disappointing... And, and it is a, it's a buying organization. They do have a few of their own outlets in that. But this is a company that was always highly regarded. You know, this was a pick and pay and spa. We're really always regarded as superb, uh, you know, wholesale, I mean, grocers. And to see what's happened to them and the fact that they had to go out of Poland, you know, they're still in Switzerland and they're still in uh, Ireland. 
But, you know, even those operations, I think, are swerving a little. And the local operation also not uh, not doing well. When you look at a chart of it, you know, this has gone nowhere for, I don't know, for seven, eight years. In fact, when I say nowhere, it's gone down. Mm. You know, it, it's, it, it's a fraction of the price that it was uh, six or seven years ago. And, and Lindsay, this is management. Huh? This has got nothing to do with, uh, with whether you could sell uh, a packet of Mari biscuits or a loaf of bread. This has got to do with management decisions that were made and, and you know, the whole operation. And I think you go back to say, well, how do we get it right? You know, how do we get this? And remember, they made the headlines on, on the treatment of certain of their franchisees and so on. So it hasn't, they haven't been, uh, you know, it, it certainly hasn't been the kind of company that we expected it to be. So what you're saying is, and Viv, you can come in on this one, you've got a, you've got a pool of, of money that has to buy stuff every single day. In other words, the South African population. Yeah. And it's all to what David is saying, it's all to do with management. You've got Checkers, you've got Woolworths, you've got uh, Pick and Pay, you've got Spa, and you've got uh, various others as well, and I hope I haven't left any out. Uh, but w what you're saying is that people have to buy stuff. So it's all to do with price and, and management and distribution and you know, the way that you present, uh, present yourself, also location of, of, of stores, etc. Yeah. I mean, essentially... I mean, unless you're really, really discounting, uh, Viv, the, 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 the goods are all the same, aren't they? Don't you think? Yes, but I mean, in terms of like, you know, as David said, management here, I mean, the clear winner in the sector has been ShopRite. Mm -hmm. yes. They've had market share gains for four years in a row, okay? Uh, and, and yet, I mean, if you look at ShopRite over the last, say, five years, they basically have not moved in ship. Uh, not five years, about, uh, I would say since, what is it? It's about... Uh, 2017, yeah, uh, yeah. 18, they basically are, are flat to slightly negative on that point. And this is the winner. This is the best performer of the sector. You know what I mean? Because of uh, So, yeah, it's been... Uh, no, no, yeah, because of management. ShopRite is the best. Uh, it, it's a clear champion here, winning market share. It's where people think they should go if things they want to get the cheapest price. Spa has had a lot of variation, I have found. I mean, I don't know if you, you've been to like a spa recently, but I mean, uh, it goes from excellent to rather mediocre in terms of the operations because that's their model. They have individual owners and the, some of them are good and some of them are, bad, are great. And, th and that obviously does affect them in that way. But I mean, like you mentioned, it, it, this is about execution. This is about, you know, making sure that those owners when they want to order something it's on the system and they get delivered the stuff i mean that's why they're part of the network they want that discount they want that, that system to work they want that kind of stuff and the fact that they've been you know uh, you know hit by you know it issues and such it does show a lack of of uh, of competence you know in terms of the general uh, business basically and uh, david shapiro you 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 i mean i'm sure you're a shopper i mean uh, you, you, your wife yeah. occasionally goes off to australia and uh, America without you, uh, so you have to do a bit of shopping unless you get the online stuff, the, you know, the checkers, um, sixty-minute thing, whatever it's called. Um, but how do you how do you decide what to buy? You're not the typical consumer. Let me say that right now. But is it because of proximity, or is it because you like this Quality. particular brand? Yeah, proximity. Quality. I think I go to proximity and quality. I go to Woolworths. For me. Uh, I know that if I take a, a packet of grapes, what do you call it, like a, uh, uh, those plastic um, pellets yes. of grapes, Punnets, yeah. I know they're going to be fresh. Yeah, I can, the avos, whatever I do, that's when I'm on my own. 
Uh, <laughs> my wife's a little more discerning, you know, but I just go in there and just load up a basket because I always know that things are going to be good. And I like their butter biscuits. I like I like whatever Woolworths does. And I've got a spa right next door. If I need to buy a brush to 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 you know sweep the house or anything, then I'll go to the uh, checkers next door. You know, which is I go down to Bluebird. Yeah. So um, I don't think you get the same quality at checkers. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? This is not. A, <laughs> this is because and and, a, and uh, I have to ask Viv now. I mean, Viv's got a young child. <laughs> Viv's got a young child, yeah. a, a family. But I mean, I don't know if you're a shopper, Viv. But it's very, very interesting survey we're, we're doing here informally. What do you What do you do, Viv? If if you if you if you have to uh, be sent out and and do some shopping again, proximity or brand? Uh, my kid, because she's allergic to so many things. It's un- it's Woolies as well. Because uh, Woolies is one of those places that does you know, cater to those kind of things, you know, like the no egg and no peanuts, that kind of stuff uh, that I have to worry about. So, yeah, Woolies as well. But, I mean, the thing is, me and David are, are the exceptions in this market. Yeah. Most people in South Africa are concerned with one thing and one thing alone, and that is price. price. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and and you mentioned RCL earlier. I mean, uh, the, this, this aviation flu that's happening right now. You know, last time it happened, I think it was 2017, right? Uh, the price of eggs went up over 30% Gosh. at that point in time. Mm. So, uh, like you mentioned, protein, a huge component of uh, that comes from chicken and eggs, and that's going to be impacted. Oh. And here's the thing that people don't realize. It, this is not something that's, oh, it's a short-term issue. You, do, you deprive a child of the proper nutrition for a few, like, you know, years here, uh, or, you know, at, when, at the right time of the development, and that's an impact that you'll be seeing in this country 75 years from now. You know what I mean? Because that child won't have developed to the fullest of its abilities, and that's going to be a net negative for the country for decades into the future. Uh, you know, stunting, uh, you know, malnutrition is a huge issue. Yeah, but yeah, uh, like with me, it's all about uh, you know making sure that it's exactly what's in this, the package. It's what's in there, and like, and so far, uh, Willis has been really good with that. You know, in terms of like the things that she can have. So yeah, that's Willis as well for me. Very good indeed. Yeah, yeah very very interesting. Um, Okay, let's have a look at the markets now, because the dollar rand is 1906, which is a US dollar, which has fallen by uh, around about two thirds of a percent. Uh, The British pound against the rand is 23.26. The euro rand is 20.13. The euro dollar is 105.60, which is a gain for the euro of around about half a percent. British pound it's really been under pressure recently, uh, but it's uh, clawed its way above 122. In, exact, in fact, it's exactly 122 at the moment. Uh, commodities, that's horrible. Oh, you gold bulls, you're having a horrible time. Uh, gold price, 18.59, down 0.7%. Uh, the platinum price is flat uh, the, at uh, 9.08. And the palladium price uh, is doing okay. It's up $45 or three and two-thirds percent. Uh, to 12.73, the oil price has disturbed me greatly uh, recently because uh, even though David and I have spoken in the past about uh, Goldman Sachs and their hundred dollar a barrel uh, prediction, they're getting close to it. David, ninety six dollars twenty. It's down a third of a percent today, but goodness me, it's within a whisker of um, changing its uh, figure from double digits to triple digits. And West Texas crude, ninety three dollars. Uh, 20. I'll come to you in a second on, on that one. Uh, yeah. Copper price up two and a third percent. Um, wheat doing nothing. Uh, but anyway, uh, David, just you wanted to say something there. Please tell me. You know what worries me? 
is that, uh, you know, when we start to talk about $100, we take our price from Brent. Yeah. I know that it's not a direct translation because there are a whole lot of other issues when they work out the oil and diesel Transport, price. Yeah. But, you know, you've got – You've, you've, you've got a $100 oil price and a 19 rand. I mean, the, the combination is absolutely awful for us. Mm. And uh, I don't know how that's going to translate into petrol next month when they work it out, but this is not what we ordered. So, yeah, they're looking uh, at about sorry, just under a rand again. So last year was over a rand. Yeah, yeah, I think about 90 cents is under recovery at the moment, yeah. nine zero. So uh, and diesel is much more than that. It's overall over a rand for diesel. And the same thing was the last month as well. Diesel was bigger than petrol. Uh, but petrol was, I think, one round some change last month. It's going to be almost one round this month again, uh, which is, I think, if you had the PPI number come out today as well, I don't know if you guys saw that. Yes, it was uh, uh, slightly weaker, yeah. wasn't it? Slight higher, higher. Oh, I think yeah. it was slightly weaker. higher. Oh, let me have a look. No, no. Um, I, 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 I need to reverse a, a trend uh, as well. And uh, so it came in at. Um, 4.3 uh, from 2.7 in July. So 4.3 in August, 2.7 in July. Mm. And so then, if you can uh, you producer know, inflation quickens to 4.3% year on year in August. Sorry, uh, Vivio, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, so 4.3%. And that, of course, filters down to CPI inflation, potentially anyway, in two to three months' time. Yeah, and obviously, uh, because I think petrol plays a bigger part, or fuel plays a bigger part of the PPI than it does the CPI, but it also will affect the CPI as well. And now, you know, we are, we are thinking of cuts and so on coming through, but you're not going to be able to cut when you're above target and it's rising. It's going to be a, 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 a pretty, like, you know, big problem, I think, for the Reserve Bank going forward from here. S&P 500, uh, more or less flat. It's up a quarter of a percent to 4,323. It's still 300 points lower than it was um, three months ago. Um, the South African 10-year bond yield, as we mentioned earlier on, well, actually, it's actually ticked up a couple of points on the close. 11.04%. That disturbs me. Uh, the US 10-year yield, 4.64%. 4% higher than its lows in 2020. Massive massive implications there um david individual stocks we've spoken about a few which ones caught your eye today i think the one you know we've spoken about those we spoke about spa tangela was up uh for whatever reason i don't know together with uh, uh some other commodity price i don't know if there was anything specific to it but it's it's Lindsay, it's all over it all over the place at the moment. You know, mm. it's uh, up and down. It's there's no consistent kind of uh, trend in, our, in in the market. Um, still concerned about what's happening on the global market. You know, we got as I said with 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 uh, a rising dollar, falling commodity prices. Dollar comes down a little bit. You know, commodity prices go up. Uh, volume still remain very very low. So there's not a lot of activity. Uh, in our market around that. Mm. But um, I, I, I'm trying to think what I picked out today. Capitec was the only one. And you mentioned Barlow. I don't know if you mentioned Barlow's early on. Which yeah, is I, it was right at the end, but we didn't I, talk about it. Yeah. Mm, mm -mm. No, no. It, was, it, it wasn't a bad result. I'm still concerned about their operation in, in Russia. And I'm not quite sure why they stick to it and hang on. You know, everybody else is getting rid of it. And I mean, after all, all they're doing is is the yellow metal. It's Caterpillar. So if you can't get Caterpillar spares and parts, that's going to trouble them somewhere down the line. I don't know. Uh, no, nor do I. And uh, we'll come to that in a second. <laughs> but let me give you my five up and down. 
uh, Spa up 11 and a quarter percent on the closed. Uh, Tungela up 7.4 percent. Capitec up 6.4 percent. Pick and Pay 6.3 percent winner. Alphamin up 5.4 percent. I think Pick and Pay just uh, was a, a commodity or rather. Um, uh, retail consumer yeah. uh, button that was pressed by some uh, some hedge fund managers <laughs> or something. Alphamine up 5.4%. On the downside, Goldfields down 4.4%. HCIF nearly 4% loser. Anglo Gold Ashanti, which is obviously uh, is on the NYSE now as its primary listing, 3% weaker. Bites down 2.9%. And Redefine down 2.8%. Viv, do you think um, if we were, if I was still alive, you are still a young fellow, so you will be. But do you think even 10 years' time we'll be talking about the JSE? Because it just seems to be diminishing every single week, month, year. And the, the, the volumes are a, a, a pittance if you put them into US dollar terms. Yeah, look, I mean, there's always the negativity about South Africa, but I have to come back to the fact that there's just so many advantages here. If we had a reasonable leader, not a great leader, we do, I'm not talking about like a like a like a Deng Xiaoping or whatever. I'm just talking about somebody that you know was a firm hand at the till and like you know was, knew what they were doing and and was putting the country first. A turnaround is possible in this country. It, it, it's not like there's uh, like China where this huge demographic issue. Well, like the Saudis, where they have, you know, oil basically disappearing in a couple of decades' time. Everything could still work out for South Africa. We have the people, we have the natural resources, we have the, you know, the the the, the national endowments of the, of the country. We have the neighborhood that should be progressing because you know, Africa is the future, likely for the century. And uh, yeah, so I do think there's there's opportunity still here. Unfortunately, everyone that's made that bet for the last two decades effectively has been wrong. David, uh, there's a stony silence from you. That, well, that's why Viv got the prize and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously. I mean, Viv, and there's nothing against okay. you because you're an award winner and you're really, really oh. good at what you do. And I love your commentary. But, Viv, I've heard it for 25 years now. I've heard the same yeah. rhetoric for 25 yeah. years. And I'm not being negative because South Africa's been very good to me and I love... Uh, uh, a percentage of the people there, uh, but uh, yeah. uh, David, I'll leave it up to you on this one. I, what the concern is: rebuilding this country is going to take billions and billions, and it's a massive effort. We need money. We've got to find a rich daddy or a you know a sugar daddy that's going to come and help yeah. us rebuild. Because what we've done over the last 30 years is destroyed those institutions which actually made this country. Uh, what it was. Uh, 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 we we hit the high spots probably in the 60s and 70s, started to wane in the 80s, you know, mainly because uh, we were no longer producing gold. We still can produce a huge amount of uh, resources, but hmm. yeah, well, whatever, you know, I mean, there are, others, there are other areas as well. We can, it is a country with enormous uh, opportunity, but when I when I go through and I look at Eskom and I look at Transnet and I look at the waterworks and I look at all these, that scares me. I'm going to say, how do we ever rebuild it? You know, other than with a Marshall Plan, you literally need a Marshall Plan, you know, to, to rebuild this place. 
My counterpoint would be this, right? Uh, look at two countries that, that have done reasonably well in the last couple of decades, China and India. Mm. And both turned around not because of any kind of external factor or whatever. It was purely leadership. Deng Xiaoping in yep. China, and to a certain extent, reforms that were done in the 1990s by the BJP and to a certain extent some Congress party, party members in, in India. Both of those turned those economies. India went from being uh, the sixth largest economy down to the 13th largest economy in the 1990s, and now it's back to the fifth largest economy. So it had basically 50 years of decline and turned around because of, of, of politics, right? You could argue what you will about the BJP being, you know, obviously, you know, uh, fascist yeah. and that kind of stuff. But the, if, you, if they got the politi- they got the economics right and they turned around, China is even a greater case. In the 1950s, China was starving. Literally, the biggest famine in history. Uh, in the 1980s, they were like, it was a poor, poor country. We're talking about uh, as poor as a place like, you know, Ghana or something. It was very, very poor. And then it was one leader with a vision, and it turns around a place like, or Singapore, which is the best example. Uh-huh. Singapore, Singapore is the only country in the world that was reversed, invaded effectively, where it was kicked out. Everywhere else yeah. was invaded and conquered. The Malaysians said, we don't want you, Singapore, kicked them out effectively. Uh-huh. And yet, one good leader turned that into um, like one of the most powerful, you know, little countries in the world. Yeah. You've got to have the will to do that. You've got to have the people to do that. And at Ooh. the moment, the worst part of it is that we're literally destroying this country brick by brick. Whatever was there before, we're kind of stealing brick by brick. And the levels of corruption in this country, the levels <laughs> of uh, indolence of laziness, of just, uh, it's just staggering incompetence. And I'm saying it takes a momentous effort. So I hate to say it, it's going to be in your daughter's time, perhaps, not in my time, you know, not, not in the years that I've got left here. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a terrible prospect here, Lindsay. Go hey, on. Can you think of what lies ahead here? And my biggest fear is that we might get Trump back in the United States. I'll say, I don't David's, uh, David's okay. gone, I think. David, are you still there, yeah. David? You're talking about Trump. Uh, Viv, uh, David was yes. talking about... Actually, uh, he's right on that, actually, yeah? Uh, uh, I, I got, I, when I get a call in, I get knocked down. Yeah, no, we, we all do. But anyway, David, you talk about Trump quickly and then Viv will come in because I can, uh, I can sense he's bristling as well. <laughs> David? No, me? No, that's my biggest fear. Well, my Trump comes in again. Fear. Is, is him coming in and what that will mean, how far it will set back mm. uh, the, world. the world. And I, I know we're going on a tangent in that, but you must read no. Angela Merkel's book. I, I didn't read it, but my wife uh, read it. She's an avid reader. And she would quote all the time what Angela Merkel thought of him. And it's, it's you know, how uh, politicians or global politicians, and she's a wonderful lady, just how she thought, you know, just – measured him uh, between her, between him and Putin. And I thought, oh, no, I thought we were over it. <laughs> Please don't bring him back. I don't want to go out on such a low note. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that in the next um, 14 months, there will be some intervention that will mean that um, people will actually come to their senses. Uh, but anyway, I do, I've written down two words that uh, David said, Viv. And that's incompetence and um, also criminality in, in, in South Africa. And how much longer is it going to be that the, the criminality will be allowed to um, prevail 
in South Africa. I, I just don't know, but it's really, really sad because there are some really fantastic people and there's so much potential uh, for South Africa. David, give us the um, closing JSC indices, boring as they are. I shall do that. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> let me give it to you. So, so we actually ended up slightly better. I think this is on the back of uh, the lower dollar and uh, improved prices. So mm. we were up 0.46% at 72506 that means we're still under a percent lower for the year. Um, it, it was resources that drove the market higher. The resource index up 1.6%. Um, with I'm, I'm trying to see where it came. Mainly came at the top end of the market, not in precious metals. So it was the big players that that, that took us up there. Banks up 0.68%. Um, industrials flat to down, down very a fraction of that. Um, I, when I like to look at the, uh, the spread between gainers and losers, and it's probably equal. And I'm talking at the top end of the market. Well, that's, that's a result. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was the miners that, 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 that really just helped us uh, into positive territory on the back of uh, what I said. Just value traded again, I'll tell you, was uh, probably 17 and a bit billion, which is still on the low side. You know what? First Rand, Capitec, Goldfield, Standard Bank were the big traders. Uh, NicePass, which normally leads our value trade, was number five today. So I don't know whether they've stopped buying back shares. But First Rand for the last couple of weeks has always been either one or, I mean, either two or three. So there's been big, big trade in First Rand, yeah, I, you know, consistently over the last few weeks. It's interesting you talk about that uh, that, that buyback of Nasdaq and Process shares because there's no announcements today on the stock exchange news mm. service. It uh, doesn't actually say that they've done anything today. Maybe they're taking a day off. Uh, David, thank you very much for your time. David Shapiro is from Sasson Securities. And Viv Govender ran Swiss, is a multi-award winning <laughs> company. And mm-hmm. um, he also um, was a very, very important contributor uh, to the Feast of Reason and the Flow of Soul on the Five O'Clock Shadow. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back same time next Thursday. Thank you, gentlemen. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.